Hello and welcome to episode 40. So, <coughs> that was very good. Right. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 Oh, I'm sorry to frighten you, dear. I must look like a yeti in this getup. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Down the Back of the Sofas, the podcast that embraces everything. Not only the shiny new penny you found, but also the half-chewed alien egg covered in fluff. Welcome to the second in our Alien special series. And welcome, my friend Graham, who's going to help go through it. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm looking forward to this one. Yes, yes. It's going, it's going to be good. This this could be an epic one. This, oh, yes. this is a long film, and you know how love, how much you, you and I love talking. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay, let's go through the specs. Okay, uh, it was uh, originally released in 1986. 29th of uh, August. Uh, ooh, UK release, release date. Uh, which is kind of weird. Could you imagine going... Oh, I don't really watching this during when it's hot. I don't know. I, I mean, you um, know, it's the whole summer blockbuster thing, I think, isn't it? So. Yeah. Um, so, originally released in 1986, two hours, 17 minutes. Uh, we had a special edition released in 1990. Uh, like two hours thirty four minutes, so ran about sort of fifteen seventeen minutes extra. Uh, it was directed by James Cameron. Uh, music by the late James Horner. Uh, effects and alien effects by Stan Winston, and it had a budget of eighteen and a half million dollars, and it grossed one hundred and thirty one. I mean, eighteen so and a half million well. dollars. That's ridiculous, isn't it? When you think of what this film looks like. I mean, it, it's all up there on the screen. Incredible that they managed to pull this. Put, even back then, even you know, nearly forty years ago, eighteen and a half million to get a film like this. Incredible. I think, from what I've been reading and watching, the only reason you've got it that way is because of James Cameron. Right. He is such a perfectionist as well as an artist in more ways than one. You know, he's he's got a book coming out literally of the, of his drawings as an artist mm. but his filmmaking skills you know even though he was he, 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 um, Terminator hadn't come actually come out when he was given this game. oh okay interesting so there was a lot of um, not so animosity but certainly he wasn't trusted he, he wasn't respected by the English crew because they just you know their, their history was people worked their way up, worked their way up sure. to being a director and he'd literally, you know, he's American or Canadian, he'd literally just come straight in and was like, give him top dog. You had Gal and Heard, who was his wife at the time, who was a producer. Yeah. So there was obviously a little bit of stuff there as well, thinking, well, you've got this couple, they've just waltzed in, blah, blah, blah. And um, because nobody had seen The Terminator, 
and how good that was on that budget and how we've managed to pull that sure. off. There was, yeah, there was quite a lot of hard sort of um, bits going on in the background while this was being made. So even that, the fact that he still managed to do it, I think he was on about three or four hours sleep, you know, a day mm. when he was actually making it. Um, yeah, because, because I mean, to say for to this point, they probably only knew him from Piranha 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the special effects for Battle Beyond Of the course, Stars. absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, he said he got this gig to write Aliens on the same day as he also got the gig to write Rambo 2. Really? That's interesting. But he was doing rewrites for the Terminator ah. as well. When he when he got the writing gig, so he was actually doing writing three movies. But what he said, what he done was he split. He had two desks, so he obviously had the Terminator stuff going on, but that's more of a rewrite. But to actually write Aliens and write Rainbow Two, he had two desks, and he worked out how long he'd got to to come up with these scripts, how many pages he could write in a day, how many hours he would be awake per day. <laughs> And how many pages he would need to write? It's crazy, isn't it? And worked it out that, the, and that's what he did. He wrote that many pages per day to be I able mean, to get both the, these the ability done. to switch your brain from one to the other so quickly. I mean, what a talent! But he said that's why he had two separate desks. So literally, he had all his notes everywhere. So when he came to sit at the desk, he didn't have to change anything. Right. He had he had everything there ready for him. Um, yeah, one really bad thing I found on uh, IMDb was a synopsis for the film. Uh, I have never, <laughs> never seen anything so not badly written, but so totally wrong as to w- what the film is actually about. Uh, and that's why I've, I've written this down because I really wanted to say it. It, <laughs> it says fifty-seven years. That obviously, there's going to be spoilers through all of this, but. 57 years after surviving an apocalyptical attack aboard her space vessel by merciless space creatures, Officer Ripley awakens from hypersleep and tries to warn anyone who will listen about the Predators. Good grief. Nothing, for starters, you know, (laughs) apocalyptical attack. You know, space creatures, and I mean aliens, uh, uh, yeah. predators. No, <laughs> exactly, one. Yeah, exactly. There was only one. Anyway, yeah, I had to get that out of the way because that was like, oh my god. Right. Uh, how did you first see it? Well, therein lies the story. Funnily enough, I didn't see this at the cinema. Um, the first place I saw this was on VHS, and it was. The one of the first days that it came out, and I was actually I was still at college, and I had I think it was a Thursday where I had lectures in the morning, and then I had nothing, and I had a, sort of an, an hour later in the day, so I had a big gap. So I used to come home from my lunch, and I can remember coming home and seeing this in the video store that was just around the corner from us, where it was a little, like you know supermarket you know a little corner shop basically that had a, a, a video wall and I can remember seeing that and thinking oh that looks good I'll watch that I'll maybe watch the first hour before I go back to my lecture later this afternoon 
needless to say, I didn't make it to the lecture <laughs> because I was an hour in and my heart was pumping so much. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. There's no way I could have walked away from it. And I had to watch the whole thing. So that was my first experience of it. Um, it really, having already seen Alien, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. I was expecting something much more um, tense and, um, you know, sort of more of the same, really. You know, more of a more of a, a haunted house type film. So therefore, to get this action movie was uh, was incredible. Um, but yeah, so, so, so I, I, I didn't make it to the cinema. I, it was it was a VHS rental was my first experience. What about you? Well, funny enough, exactly the same thing. I didn't get to the cinema, and I remember seeing it in in the the rental place, and just thinking, right, I really enjoyed the first one. And I, I you know me, I'm not a horror, uh, you know, no, watcher. Sure. Um, and I just thought. No, I need to watch this. I can't remember if if people were talking about it or I actually saw uh, the trailer on one of a, a, a different rental and just thought, yeah, I think that that'll be the next one that I'm going to get out. Right. I don't remember it being in like the new section as such. So I think it'd been it'd been out quite a while. Right. Gotcha special edition hadn't been out so it's it definitely in between I don't know I wonder how long it actually took to actually come out on VHS well like I say I it's, it, so the film came out here August 86 I left college in June 87 so it it would have been sometime you know probably the the first few months of eighty seven certainly. I mean, um, how about the, uh, the the special edition? When, when well, fu- funny it? enough, because I, I, of course, as soon as I'd seen Aliens, I um, I uh, bought it sort of fairly quickly after it came out uh, on VHS and saw it numerous times. Absolutely loved it, and I can remember hearing that the special edition was coming out in nineteen ninety. And there was a guy I was working with at the time who was also a big fan. And he and I were so excited. We actually pre-ordered our copies from our local video store. The place we worked had a video store just up the um, just up the road. And we both pre-ordered it. And we both went there on the day it came out, bought it, went home, watched it, and then came in the next day and pretty much spent the entire day talking about the <laughs> additional scenes. So that is sort of how, how big... The uh, uh, the release of the special edition was was for us. It was it was a huge deal. It was uh, it was massive. Well, yeah, because it was the, it's the start of this sort of director's cut type. You know, you know uh, the way. Uh, I suppose most people would feel it's, it was another money making scheme to. You know, you've already got a film. You brought it out again. You know, but for us who loved the film. We knew what those seams were adding, but also I, I I also think that it was kind of the the shift of power within the movie industry, whereby a a studio had always had final cut on a film. You know, we want the, these bits in, we want these bits taken out, and suddenly it was a case of the director's vision was becoming more and more important. 
and therefore you had um, you know films like Blade Runner um, you know came out with director's cut you had uh, but 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 I think this one was probably you know from what I can think sort of one of the first ones and of course you know the biggest ones was probably you know the Star Wars special editions that Lucas bought out in 97 but but certainly it was a case of directors suddenly saying actually we want people to see what our vision of the film was rather than what the studio wanted us to put out so yeah it, it was kind of a shift of power in in, in terms of the director realizing how important they were and, and and wanting to have more of a say in the product that came out i think i think also as well you've got that home market because at the time in in the 80s 80s and 90s you 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 were still quite restricted with how long you could actually make a film in the cinema yes. because yeah, of how absolutely. many times it would screen Per day, and I think they cut it directly as much, you know, as thin as thinly as they could to to get the most amount of shows. And if you go over that, you're going to miss a whole show yes. because you won't be able yep. to fit it all in. And that's and they were quite restricted at the time then. Whereas now, you know, you, you'll go and watch a three hour film and not think anything of it. Yes, but of course, <laughs> back then, you know, I mean, these days, you know, they bring out Avengers Endgame and it's a it's an absolute sort of you know, bum number of a three-hour film, but you sit there and watch the whole thing. Of course, back then you used to have intermissions. I mean, I can remember watching films like uh, JFK and Dances with Wolves, and halfway through, suddenly the screen goes black, and they go, "Right, you'll all go to the toilet now," and you know, grab Let's some more snacks lobby. from the point. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> this is it. Which now seems so archaic, doesn't it? The idea of you know, you know, you're clearly unable to it, to concentrate <laughs> on a film for this length of time. So please, please do take a break. Well, funny it's, enough, uh, I was watching Ben Hur, and that's got an intermission in it. I think the King and I has got an intermission, and even now, when you watch the the Blu-ray DVD or digital, yeah. it's still got it in there, which I love, because that that gives you that that sense of oh my god, you know, this is how things used to be. I mean, you used to go to the cinema, and if you was late and you missed fifteen minutes, you waited. In you the waited cinema, and watched and they the start of the first I know. one. <laughs> Absolutely, but. Um, but of course, even in the early days of DVDs, you used to have flippers, didn't you? You used to have it that, you know, the first half of the film would be on one side and then you'd flip it over and watch the second half of the film. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember having that with... Um, uh, we had a copy of Gone With The Wind, we did that, and also Goodfellas. Funny wow. enough, the first DVD release of Goodfellas was yes. a flipper. You would watch yes. the first half of the film, flip the DVD over... And, and and watch the second half, which again, you know, in in in, in the amount of amount of digital data you you can get on a get on a disc now does seem you know I say sort it's of crazy. You know, something you know something from from, from the nineteen twenties. <laughs> and yeah, and I, and I think we, what we've had we've obviously had special editions of quite a lot of Cameron's films. I mean, I mean Terminator Two is a, is a really good one. What that adds to it, I mean, even the, the Abyss. You know yeah. what that adds to the abyss is, is just makes it such a brilliant film. Absolutely. Why they, why they ever took that out, I don't know, because it really it it finishes the story. But there again, you, you know, you could very much say the same thing about Aliens, in as much as these days, you know, Aliens the special edition and Alien the director's cut are kind of the you know the standard go-to editions now if you were to go back and watch the original Aliens your first thought would be well, hang on where's that other stuff but also yeah. you know the film doesn't hold together as well 
Yes. It's you know it 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 becomes so important, so intrinsic to the whole to the whole story to have these additional bits in. You know that that it, it's it's incredibly hard to believe that they're ever taken out in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes you wonder with some of the older films, you know, that's just been discarded now. You know, the, those bits that have been took out of of some some really great. Um, not older films, but you know, could there be a, a director's, yeah, a director's cut of Casablanca? We don't know about. Yeah, you yeah. know, I know, I know you're always going to get deleted scenes and stuff, but then there might be loads of footage that's just been thrown away. I mean, the the, the problem is, that, of course, these days the uh, you know the directors more, more than likely aren't around anymore, and therefore it will be, you know, an archivist or or, or a film. Buff, knowing that this additional footage exists, who would want to put it back in? But you know, it's less likely to be the actual director themselves. So, uh, yeah. So the cast we had returning Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. Kane, who went into that ship, said he saw thousands of eggs there. Thousands. We had Michael Bean as Corporal Hicks. I'd like to keep this handy for close encounters. Uh, Carrie Hen as Newt. Nobody. Because me, Rebecca, except my brother. Paul Riser as Burke. This is not my locker. Hey, I knew you'd do that. I knew <laughs> you'd do that. He, he can't not. He can't not. <laughs> uh, Lance Henriksen as Bishop. Believe me, I'd prefer not to. I may be synthetic, but I'm not stupid. Uh, Bill Paxton as Private Hudson. Yeah. yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. I love him. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, William Hope as Lieutenant Gorman. Ripley, what the hell are you doing? Rico Ross as Private Frost. What's <laughs> <laughs> the matter with his Arcturian, <laughs> uh, Jeanette Goldstein as uh, Private Vasquez. Let's rock! Mark Rolston as Private Drake. <laughs> Al Matthews, Sergeant Apone. Look into my eye. Absolutely badasses. Let's pack them in. Colette Hiller as uh, Corporate uh, Pharaoh. We're in the pipe. Five by five. Uh, Daniel Cash as Private Spunk. Yes, your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute, there's something. Hold on a second, there's something. Bet there, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Cynthia Scott as Corporal Dietrich. Tuck it over here, we got a live one! You're going to be all right. Tip tipping, Private Crow. You always say that, Frost. You always say I got a bad feeling about this drop. Okay, okay. When we get back without you, I'll call you folks. And uh, Trevor Steedman as Private. Where's Bowski? Where's Bowski? I don't know where. I don't know where Bowski is. I don't know where Bowski is. Where's Bowski? Where's Bowski? For years, I don't know why I didn't look at the credits and go. I wonder what his name is. Where's Bowski? Where's Bowski? Bowski. Oh dear. But I mean, each of these um, have got. Some absolute great lines. Well, this is it. It is one of the most quotable movies yes. in movie history, I would say. Just in terms of 
the amount of times I've said various different things, uh, you know, from this film. Even that, you know, you know, if ever something's something's you know a journey starting or something's kicked off and he's going well, then you're in the pipe five by five. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just imminently quotable you know and and and, and, so and we will get to them we will get to so many of them but it is just oh this is fantastic so, you know? so when your kids turn around and go dad we're only going to sainsbury's <laughs> stop it <laughs> every time you have to say that <laughs> everybody strapped in we're in the back five my five <laughs> oh great oh, brilliant yeah i mean the the start of the film i mean <clears throat> iconic wise I don't think you'll ever beat the original Alien, but the way the the blue writing suddenly appears for the whole Alien and the really kind of eerie music. Yes, yes. I mean, it it, it sort of takes the essence of the original. Obviously, the original was building the word Alien out of very sort of block letters, whereas this, um, you know, particularly building around the the eye in the middle and you know and that sort of growing and you know that the light em- emanating from it and the music was that much bigger as well you know it was yes. you know as as yeah. that as that eye sort of grows and the brightness grows it's kind of you know you've got the screeching and you know it's just it it, it kind of immediately sets you on edge i would say yes. those titles are kind <laughs> of like, all good okay oh, i don't like this <laughs> And I think that's what I was thinking when I got the VHS home and thought, why have I done this? I don't like horror films. Why have I done this? Why am I watching this? (laughs) (laughs) Mommy! Two o'clock in the afternoon. Let's open the curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I like is that he's... Because we we see the the Narcissus, uh, you know, just floating through space. So it's a lovely... Com- completely connected Absolutely. scene from the first film, yes. so we just pick it up. And or, we think, or so you think. <laughs> yes, yes. When the the ship um, obviously attaches, or it, it it gets attached to the other ship, you see the like the laser gun cutting through the door. Yes, I heard that basically James Cameron said, "I, I want that because I want something that nobody's ever seen before." You know, at the time. Uh, and I want to put that in and basically Gal and heard his wife at the time said but if you want it you pay for it <laughs> and he did he literally paid for that laser and for the equipment to be able to do it brilliant uh, and I think it really sets the scene it's it's something like whoa you know you, you know you're in for something that's that's quite good absolutely you know, it looks absolutely. quite high quality but it's it? also it's I mean what I like about it is you see the Narcissus in space just drifting through and and it's and it picks up so it's, so it's even got the same music from the end of the original film so so you're kind of thinking oh this is great and then you see inside the narcissus it, it's you know it's calm it's peaceful you're thinking oh okay and then then as it drifts onto the ship and then it's almost like the the initial you know as it kicks yes. in so, so, sort of almost jolts you to oh right right yep. here we go we're off you know this is and again <laughs> there's that feeling because um i mean everything's covered in a layer of frost which of course should should cue you up to the to the immediate the twist, yes. Yeah. 
but but even then you're thinking okay you know you know maybe in space you know a, a, a layer of frost could could go everything but you know what i love is you know since you've got the proximity alert and once that um sort of cutter thing has come in and the door falls in and then of course i know you're going to have something to say about that door um yeah <laughs> but that thing that comes in the, the scanner that comes in being that it's almost like it's floating kind of thing but it's also shaped so well it's very alien and that immediately yes. when i first saw it made me go oh god what's this you know you know it didn't immediately make me think oh it's a it's a human scavenging team my yeah. my first thought was oh shit what the hell is this so even that was cleverly done the whole film is kind of done to keep you emotionally slightly off kilter you know that yes. you, you know you never relax any time during uh-huh. this whole film and I, and I think what happens in the first few scenes does that as well because you think you're looking at something else and then you're not yes absolutely so immediately you're you're thinking i'm i'm going to go through this whole, whole film second guessing yes. and wondering yep. what's going to happen which I think is is great because you you won't have that haunted house. You you're it's in your face, but the whole point is it's going to be it's going to be in your face. But you never know when it's going to come yes. into your face because I'm going to be doing this in a minute, and then I'm going to yep. be doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. The one thing I was going to say about the door is I love the the, the fact that the harpoon gun is still stuck in yep. the door. Which, that, like I say, I've touch. I'd seen this film so many bloody times and hadn't noticed it until you pointed it out to me. You said, have you seen at the bottom of the door the harpoon guns? I was like, no, never seen it. How ridiculous. The amount of times I'd have seen yeah. this film. So good spot. Well done, you. <laughs> but, so they, they all come in, and then obviously they, they think they're going to get a nice bit of scavenge, scavenger stuff, but obviously it's, they can see she's still alive, so they've lost it. But the, the, the basic costumes they've got on uh, were actually from a, a Sean Connery film, Outland. Oh, yes, of course. And they just added a few bits and pieces to them. And we there's a nice transition going from Ripley to Earth, yep. which basically is the closest she ever gets to a certain extent, apart from number four where she's in the atmosphere. But that's the closest she ever gets to actually getting back to Earth, and she's in this sort of medical yes, unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 and, so we establish um, that yeah. it's not actually Earth. She's on a space station above Earth. Um, you know, so, so, so as you say, she hasn't made it back, and um, and and again, I I just thought it was so clever that your initial sight of Ripley and your initial meeting with Carter Burke, played by um, yeah. Paul Reiser. I'm Burke. I'm Carter Burke. I work for the company, but don't let that fool you. I'm really an okay guy. And seeing Jonesy back and everything is is it it's all a dream. You know, mm. you're not actually seeing that as it really happened. You're actually experiencing all of that and and establishing where she is now and what's going on through a dream she's having because she's still haunted by what what happened in 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 the, in the original movie, which I think is incredibly clever. It is. It's very good. Although, didn't Dallas? Uh, Nick, that <laughs> didn't the series Dallas get to a point where they woke up? It's all Bobby's the in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an entire season never <coughs> happened. It was Pam's dream. <laughs> I oh, 
I would have to say that I think this is slightly better than than Dallas than writing off a whole episode of Dallas as a dream. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the man for Atlantis, I I loved it. Anyway, so anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, the so you got Burke who who just arrives and and we obviously see a sort of fake death, but this is all to do with more um, what Cameron was saying about the um, uh, the PTSD. Uh, side of her because you think there's no way she's going to want to go back no and this kind of sets it up you you know from seeing this dream you obviously know what she's going through time and time again whenever yeah, she sleeps yeah. she's she's having this fear of, of being yeah, killed by, by, by having this know, thing come out of her chest rather than seeing it come out of somebody else's but but of course so so we meet Burke and of course, we then find out about the fifty-seven years as well. The fact that the fact that the Narcissus missed all the major systems, and she was out there drifting for fifty-seven years, and so she thought she'd be back in a matter of months, and it turned out to be considerably longer. Um, and so, yeah, then she wakes up. The chestburster comes out. She wakes up, and. Uh, again, you know, one of the first great lines, um, you know, when the nurse says, you know, another bad dream. And she says, yes, you know, do you want, do you want me to give you something to help you sleep? No, I've slept enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> 57 years, <laughs> yeah, that'll no, do absolutely. me. Um, um, also, um, just uh, just quickly, uh, the script and so many people were already on board before Sigourney Weaver. Really? Was. That's interesting. So... This was the first time I think Sigourney was the highest paid actress ever at the time because everything was had been green lit right. apart from her. So basically, she could say, "Well, mm. I, I want that, and I want this." And I think she was, but she may have been paid a million. It may have been the first time that an, an, an actor had been paid that amount, or you know, a, a, a female actor had been paid that amount at the time. I mean, but so she got the highest paycheck. You know, so. I mean, the whole thing doesn't happen without her. You know, so no, so exactly. yeah, yeah. You know, fair play to her for for for, for letting everything else get signed up first, and then say, right, let, <laughs> let's talk money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we get to um... well, of course, this is the first added scene from the special edition, isn't it? Because we yes. see. Ripley sat uh, on a bench in, in what turns out to be an artificial forest uh, that's being projected behind her. Um, and that's when um, Burke comes in, wants to um, get her sort of prepped and into this meeting uh, with the powers that be uh, from the company. And um, she's asking about her daughter, and that's when we found out uh, about Amanda. Um, and uh, her daughter, yeah. who, you know, she told her she'd be back for a birthday party, and uh, Burke tells her that she was 66 when she died two years ago, and, of course, she was Amanda Ripley McLaren, wasn't she, which was her married name. And um, there's a great moment where Ripley puts her hand on the picture and says, Baby. Um, which you know, there's there's a payoff to that a little bit later on. Um, but yes, so 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 that was the first <laughs> added scene. Which again, you know, you look at it and you think, how was that ever taken out? You know, it it's so integral, mm. particularly 
it completely tees up everything that's to come in the film. The fact that she's lost a daughter. The, yep. You know, she told her she'd be back for a was it eleventh birthday party, and and yes. fifty seven yep. years yep. later, she's outlived her daughter, and yeah, yeah, and and it it, it brings to the you know at the end of the film you've got that closure for her that you just you you, you don't really not everything interconnects you know you, you obviously get obviously what they've been through to have that ending but to have that added into it just makes it so so much more worthwhile what she's gone through uh, there was a couple of little bits the um they were meant to how they sh- uh, showed that the uh, the the forest scene was artificial there was one bit where they did actually want uh jones jonesy to actually jump oh, okay. and try and get a bird that flew past mm. and then of course it just goes and sizzles yeah. because obviously clearly it's not it's not real. Um, the picture of Amanda is actually Sigourney Weaver's right, okay. mum, uh, which I was quite—I I didn't know that until until I recently. And I thought, oh, I right. mean, it does yeah, look like sense. it's a picture of somebody who's been artificially aged because she sort of looks almost all too old and a bit too wrinkly. It looks like it's. Uh, so you're saying Sigourney's mum? Very wrinkly. Sorry, Sigourney's <laughs> mum. Although maybe Sigourney's mum is no longer with us. She 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 has gone the way of Amanda Ripley McLaren. But uh... Uh, yes, <laughs> but I think uh, maybe it's just the way the yes, picture it is. Very the picture much is very so. pixelated, no, isn't it? It's not no, exactly not. very clear. Yeah, and, and and again, I wonder if that that comes out of the fact that he's not, you know, Burke's not really that bothered about it. He's just got. He's just picked any old picture out, mm, yeah. And just said, "I'll just print that one off. That'll do." Rather than a decent one, it's one that's on file. Not should yeah. really be printed, but he's printed it out anyway. Um. Then we get to that lovely tribunal, really, uh, <laughs> and the old. Yes. It's a shake and bake colony. I love. I love that, and I love the fact that you've got the yes. picture of the old, Absolutely. the old crew behind her on that screen. They. The suits I really love. The collars yes. of the of the jackets have that slight, literally bit there that yes. just makes it slightly yeah. off. Like you think, oh, that's that's something new, but it's still a tie. It's still a suit. Where the you know you obviously have almost sort of like a, on the collar, you kind of have the lower bit and then and then the upper bit. The upper bit is raised, isn't it? So it's yep. actually pointed up. Where where's the lower bit still yes. down? So, uh, but yeah, so this is the top brass, obviously from Wayland Utani, isn't it? And um, yes, yeah. this is where we see um, sort of how how little they're taking her story seriously. They consider well, I think that the quote from them is that she showed questionable judgment, judgment yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And 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 she's effectively saying, you know, this thing wiped out my crew, um, and 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 is just pissed off that they don't seem to be taking it that seriously and of course we find out very shortly why they're not taking it that seriously um now one thing that i have heard about this is and i've i've looked and looked and looked and can't see it and i'm not sure if it's one of these urban myths that's been created online but i've read that uh in the background, as as they're talking, and you see the information about the her deceased crewmates, 
that, that there's a revelation that Lambert was actually transsexual, that Lambert was born as a boy. Right. And so I've looked and looked to try and find where this piece is that I've seen replicated uh, online. I've actually seen the... Um, uh, Transcript, sort of thing. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of, sort of the actual wording that they've uh, that they've taken from the film. But it it basically says that Lambert was born a, a male and transitioned to a female. Um, had had sort of a, a gender realignment. Um, but I've looked and looked, and I can't see where they would have got this from. It doesn't appear in. But but if you go online and Google. Aliens, Lambert, transgender. You you yeah. will see it, and and so I I'm I'm not quite sure where people have got this from, but yeah, you know, and 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 whether it's an urban myth that's being created online, but that seems to be, you know, you know something that people talk about on this. Could so. could it be that they're taking it further the fact that the script did not have any genders for the characters, so it was written it could be could be a man or or, or a woman. That were what? playing those parts in the uh, original uh, alien. Yeah, so. yeah but pe- people are saying that they're reading this yeah. from from the file information that's going on in the background while they're talking. But but I'll be blown. You know, when the Lambert stuff comes on, the you know the writing is far too small. Yeah, for for you to be able to read anything that it says about this. So, uh, but no, it was it, it was just an interesting point. Like I say, I've 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 sort of noted before people saying, "Oh, have you seen that Lambert was transgender?" Yeah, mm. You know, that there was a revelation in the in the uh, in the tribunal scene that uh, that she was she was actually transgender. Mm. But there you go. Oh, oh brilliant! Oh, fantastic! Just, just a little, little, yeah. little aside. But yeah, yeah so um, so they're not happy with the fact that she's she's blown up the ship and have decided that she's um, unfit to hold. Was it an ICC license? Um, yes. Yeah. And. Uh, and so, yeah, she's, um, you know, in in order to try and prove her point, she says, you know, well, you know, why don't we go there, uh, you know, and, and 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 try and find these things, and then finds out that, yeah, well, done that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is the finding of this court of inquiry that Warrant Officer E. Ripley, NOC one four four seven two, has acted with questionable judgment, and is unfit to hold an ICC license as a commercial flight officer. Said license is hereby suspended indefinitely. Now, no criminal charges will be filed against you at this time, and you are released on your own recognizance for a six-month period of psychometric probation to include monthly review by an ICC psychiatric technician. These proceedings are closed. And I wonder if, if from a company, you know, be, because there hasn't been anything bad, you've got to, you've got two sides. Because one one thing, all right, in hindsight, again, we we know the company is bad, but you know, uh, spoiler alert, Burke obviously has a, an agenda here. But I don't know whether the whole, you know, this this team of suits really, you know, just believes that she's not well or not making it up sort of making it up because nothing has happened there isn't an agenda with them to cover anything up or to 
basically think, well, hang on, we've, we've got something here, you know, because they don't, I don't think they know. I think it's only Burke that obviously he sends this family out there to have a look. Yeah, but um, it, this is one of the things I don't quite get. Okay, so they reveal that... Which is that uh, next, next scene, actually. The, yes, yeah. The, the, well, at, at the end of this scene, they reveal that LV-426 has had terraformers on it for over 20 years. And um, and that's up to 70 families in this, um, uh, in this sort of colony that they've created in order to effectively turn it into a planet with breathable air you know that we can live on Uh, absolutely that people can live on now when in in the original alien film they received this distress beacon or sorry received a distress call um they went out there they discovered the ship and during this time ash was given instructions to effectively make sure that whatever alien specimen is found is brought back and that all crew are expendable, yeah? Yep, yep. Now, who are those instructions coming from? Mm-hmm. Is that not Wayland yutani Yes. So when Wayland yutani send the people up to, to set up Hadley's Hope, the terraformers, um, why... The terraformers have been there for 20 years. Why is it only on Ripley's say-so when they find out what happened? Did Burke, obviously under the instruction of his superiors, send give them the coordinates to go out and find this place? Would they not have realised that that this this was the same planet that they sent them to and they found an alien... Sp- why, why is it taking them 20 years and only when Ripley says this this is happening do they do they decide to go and have a look surely they would have known from from their instructions in the first film that something's there and they could have done it way earlier i suppose it depends if if uh, ash had actually reported back about anything at the time um i mean it, was he waiting to give a full report or was he just thinking i'm going to get i will get back with an alien and didn't report back to Wayland yutani and of course then the ship blew up, he got killed, the ship blew up, then there was no report back, so they were thinking, well, we, we you know, we found this distress call, we want you to, to get whatever's there, and of course if they got no report back, they were thinking, mm, maybe there was nothing there, you know, what, you know, what's the, uh, I mean, nothing's, I mean, but, gone, nothing's actually happened. But the instruction from them was definitely, you know, Alien life form, bring back specimen. You know all 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 other protocols overwritten, crew expendable. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so you know, you know, surely you know they must have known something was going on. Surely it wasn't a case that Ash had said absolutely nothing about about what had gone on. So it just sort of struck me as odd that 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 they sent people up there to terraform and yet hadn't hadn't actually sent someone out to have a look until Ripley said, oh, yeah, there was this thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, oh that's right. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, we remember that from from, <laughs> oh, yeah. from, from, from 57 <laughs> years ago. Let's let's send someone out there to have a look. Anyway, I'm only splitting hairs, but it did sort of strike me as, oh, okay, that's that's an odd thing. Um, yeah, because you think that company would be on top of that. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the only 
reason I could think is the fact that he he didn't report back or he had everything to bring back but of course both he and all of his work was destroyed when the when the the sort of the the Nostromo sort of blew up hmm. so there was nothing that actually came back to them so they presumed it was a a dead end or you know something like that. I don't know whether it's outlined in something else in a, in a comic or or book form if if that was mentioned um the fact that nothing you know like you say hmm. why leave it that long before sending yeah. anybody out yeah if if you knew that something something there, yeah. you know was was found if you know for for that for that instruction to be given by them they must have got word that something was found and so yeah to have sent people up there and yet in 20 years not have thought oh well this is that planet where where suppose, all, all that happened yeah. should we go and check it out well mate, say for instance if they didn't hear anything back how expensive would it be to actually launch something to actually go out there to send well, something out but, i don't but, know how but, far away, i don't know how far away lv426 is from us even if you even if you don't send something immediately, when you're sending the terraformers up there and they've been there for twenty years, would it not cross your mind? Oh, hang on, LV four two six. That's that place where. Let's send somebody out to have a look. You know, mm. because the fact is, Ripley. You know, I I don't know whether she would have given them the coordinates or whether she'd have known the coordinates, but clearly coordinates were known because Bert gave them to. To the Hadley's yeah. Hope guys in order to send for them to yeah. Newton her family out. So, yeah. anyway, well, yeah, yeah. Well, and in this scene, you you get to see, you know, the gate, the great um, Carrie Hen as Newt in that magnificent scream she does at the end um, after she sees her unfortunate father who's got into the wreck. Well, well, of course, this is so. Before that, we have. The first, sorry, the second added scene, which yes. is all the stuff going on at Hadley's Hope, That's wasn't right. it? Which yep. is where you That's see right. Hadley's Hope, population 158, and then you've got who's clearly the boss of the of of the place is is, is having Captain a conversation. Hollister. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the of Red know, Dwarf. The, the, the kids are told, you know, you know, you know, you aren't supposed to be playing it up here, and then he says about this you know they've had word from a mom and pop survey team that they potentially found something you know they they want to know what their cut is in this case of well if they find it then it's theirs kind of thing and then you go to the second sorry to the third added scene but the the second one following up which is can can i just add family going there what i love is the fact when he goes "I, i don't ask because it takes two weeks to get an answer out here, and the answer is always don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, and then you see Newt's family going out discovering the ship. Obviously, um, you know, with the the, the, the space jockey's ship, um, and then you, the the, the mum and dad go in there, and uh, and then of course you have a slight time, and then of course the classic face hugger and Newt doing the. Uh, the great scream, yeah, scream. I think I think she said you know she James hadn't heard her scream at the time and she just did that and it was like okay well <laughs> fair enough well that's a proper shriek. <clears throat> I think also as well the um, the ship uh, they managed I think they found that somewhere somebody had it and it hadn't really been that badly damaged so they didn't have to make it from scratch. 
uh, they was able to obviously patch it up because it had had obviously some wear and tear. Uh, but that's the original uh, alien ship from the first film that's used in that footage. Cool. It's quite good. There's a nice um, transition as well from the, the scream to just utter silence back to Ripley with her cigarette. Yeah. Is, and that's quite chilling as well because literally you've had that the strong wind, her screaming, the fact that her you know you know there's trouble brewing it just goes boop, completely silent. Yeah. And and of course it, it it's it, it's Ripley with with an inch and a half of ash still on her yeah. cigarette. So so clearly <laughs> yeah. you know not only is she feeling the isolation but she's just struggling with life generally. You know think things aren't think going well for her. That's right, and it's all building up to the reason why. Because anybody else would think, no, why, why on earth would she put herself in that situation? She's out of it. You know, she she wouldn't go anywhere near them again. But if you've got that going inside you all the time, that's the only way to purge yeah. it. Really, would be to to. This is know, it. I mean, she get back she, on the horse. She, she lived <laughs> her worst nightmare, and yeah. and and as you say, he's dealing with the you know with the PTSD. You know, the effects of that. And so she's there in a little, you know, apartment, whatever you would call it, when she gets a, a visit from Burke and Gorman, um, who say that, uh, well, Burke tells her that they've lost contact with the colony on LV426, and asks if um, if she would go up there with, uh, with a team acting as advisor. And... Uh, get shot down in, uh, in 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 no uncertain terms uh but of course we find out that she's been working on the cargo docks you know uh on on the loaders um which again you know come comes back later on but um comes back that's yeah. right but but he's so slimy he is, he is. All of this, this is it. burke is just oh are yeah. you okay you know i know you know i've heard about it that's the only, i heard that's the only thing you could get yeah but you but know, again he he, he knows that they need her so he's trying to rub in just how shit her situation is in order to get her to go <laughs> yeah. come on that's a second chance kiddo and i think personally for you it would be the best thing in the world to get out there and face this thing get back on the horse spare me burke i've had my psych evaluation this month yeah i know i've read it you wake up every night your sheets are soaking with sweat i said no and i mean it and uh, and yes yeah, so so she's literally gone from you know from from being a flight officer to um you know to 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 work in the, the the loaders at the cargo docks and and he sort of dangles her reinstatement as a flight officer as a carrot uh, to try and get her to bite but again she says no um and then we cut to her waking up from another chest burster dream you know covered in sweat grabbing at her chest and uh so this is when she um she uh call, call, calls Burke and realizes yeah yeah, yeah the, the, this is a demon i'm going to have to exorcise not 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 exercise that would be something completely different <laughs> uh, yeah no you're absolutely right and i think that we 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 we've bought into the fact that yes she would she would go back to to get rid of that because she can't live that way um and then we get to the next great scene is is obviously uh, which is the which is the which is a yes, gun in but, space. But, but that's the next <laughs> the next extra scene, isn't it? When we show when we sort of yeah. pan through, much like the first film, um, even to the extent that 
we have another perpetual motion toy. Of course, in in Alien we had the birds, yes, and in this one we have the little yep. sort of twisty, yeah, sort of Magnetic sort of back and forth, sort of, sort of yeah. yes, yeah, the little solar uh, system, sort of solar, planets yeah. and that sort of thing, and a little uh, a little round thing sort of moving about. It looks like where the, saying that, that look, yeah, that looks like where they was eating. Um, but but yeah, you move through so. You know, you see the loaders, the drop ship, um, and then you you move through to the uh, to the cryo chambers as they uh, as they start to pop open, just like in the first film. And that's where you had quite a budget restraint. Is the fact that I think he said that there was six or four, and that's all they had. Um, and there's a mirror, but it's pretty hard to see where the mirror is, as in again just great lighting great set for very little money the fact that you think all these things are being lifted up by motors and they're not they're being pulled up by wires uh we get a nice list of all these soldiers and their names come up as well just before the the cryo uh things sort of open up it's a lovely introduction to all of them they all get out as if they've been again so much better than the the films we have now where they're throwing up in a in a Tupperware they just yeah. get up and go well that's it but, this, but this you know <laughs> this is where we start <laughs> to establish the characters and this this is really where you yes. know the film very much could have lived or died they ain't paying us enough for this man not enough to have to wake up to your face Drake what is that a joke oh I wish it were Hey, Hicks. Man, you look just like I feel. <coughs> All right, sweethearts, what are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. You know, the fact that you've got such strong characters, and, you know, and obviously Hudson is picked up straight away, you know, you know where he says, oh, you know, th- th- this floor's cold, and... Apone says, uh, "Oh, you know, would, would you like me to to, to his niece? Gee, would you, Sarge?" You. <laughs> and then, of course, he, there's that great line: "Look into my eye," which again is is one of those ones that I, I I wasn't sure what he meant by that. And looking it up on Google, there's actually several um, ideas about what he could mean. Um, one is that. Um, he's literally saying, look into my eye, there's no tears here for you, you know, you know man up, you big woman kind of thing. But a- another one is the fact that he actually pulls his eye down with his middle finger. So therefore, by saying, look into my eye, he's actually saying, look at me, giving you the bird kind of thing, you know, as in screw you kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but again, yes, yeah, so you, you know, before that, you've got, you know, the great Apone line, you know, the old, um, you know, down the Marines are like a down the farm kind of thing. And it's... You know, it, it's just <laughs> establishing the rapport and the you know the you know the feeling amongst these characters. It's uh, it, it's yeah, you know the the Marines are such such an intrinsic part of this film. Even though the journey is Ripley's, you know, having these great characters there is 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 a, as important, you know, in terms of carrying the story along. Definitely, and you've got that wonderful line. Hey, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? <laughs> no, <laughs> have you? No, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and then Drake goes, <laughs> Vasquez, <laughs> it's too bad. She bad. slaps his slaps. face. <laughs> 
This was a, her first movie. It was. This was a it very, was. But very of course, again, yeah. you know, she she plays it so well. But you know, yeah. Jeanette Goldstein is is not Hispanic at all. And you know, yeah. to not only, I mean, you know, of course, these days, you know, you'd probably be you criticise heavily for having a Hispanic character not played by a Hispanic actor. But the fact is, she absolutely nails it. You wouldn't know. They've obviously darkened her skin. She does a great accent. And, uh, you know... She was laughing in the the commentary, saying, well, I don't think I would have been mistaken for a man with that top on. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, for for a couple of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear! And of course, then, like you say, it's a roller coaster from now on. Things yes. happen all the time, Absolutely. and you go from that to the wonderful knife scene with Bishop, where we obviously realise there's something a bit different about Bishop, but the fact that Hudson seems to think he's going to do the knife trick, and he ends up having his hand pushed underneath, which apparently. Um, Bill Paxton didn't know what's going to happen oh, until they really? actually filmed the scene. Oh, okay. He he assumed that's why his, some of his reactions are very very genuine. Right, and um, I think they did actually have to film it a couple of times because it caught one of their fingers at one oh, point okay. when he actually did it. Yeah, so. well, well, it's okay. He's just going with Bishop, and he's going. It sped up, but the whole point is. You know, the banter that happens between the guys before and after that is showing that to them, they're not taking this seriously. This is just, you know, okay, there's some aliens out there. We're going to go there. We're going to destroy them. So, you know, it's just their usual banter. And you can see immediately Ripley knows what they're going to face and is is pissed off how lightly they're taking it all. Because it's not going to be Octurian, baby. <laughs> hey, for those Octurians, it doesn't matter. <laughs> do the thing with the oh, please. Oh, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. All right. All right. Hey, what are you doing, man? Hey, what are you doing? Come on, quit messing around, Drake. Come on. Bishop, hey, man. Do it, Bishop. Hey, not me, man. Yeah, you. Hey, come on, quit messing around. Don't move. Come on. Trust me. But, uh, but but yeah, you know, I mean, you know, again, you've got Hudson, you know, because the whoopee fucking do, you know, just great <laughs> lines coming out. Yeah, so so Bishop does a knife trick where he obviously spreads a hand out. They um, Was it Drake comes in, isn't it, and puts, puts yes, Hudson's yeah. hand underneath and then he sort of goes between the fingers with a knife. And then um, when... Um, when he, when he's finished, I love it, he just slaps his shoulders and goes, "Enjoy your meal," and then just walks <laughs> yeah, just goes. Off like, but then, of course, <laughs> Bishop sits down, and you can see where he's yeah. just caught himself, and he's sort of squeezing the blood out, you know, with his finger from yeah. his thumb, and that's when Ripley sees this, and uh, with what happens with Ash, obviously, freaks out, and uh, and yeah, so 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 she refers to him as android, and he says he, I I prefer artificial person. And yeah, so you know, she's um, she she basically tells him to stay away, 
So immediately she's got somebody on the crew that, you know, she, she thinks the rest of them are not taking it seriously enough and now she's got someone who she straight up just does not trust because the last uh, the last um, the, the, the last uh, art, artificial, artificial person, person she, she, <laughs> she met tried to, tried to kill her with a pornographic magazine <laughs> yes <laughs> common practice we always have a synthetic on board I prefer the term artificial person myself is there a problem I'm sorry I don't know why I didn't even... Ripley's last trip out, the, the artificial person malfunctioned. Malfunctioned? There were problems, and uh, a few deaths were involved. I'm shocked. Was it an older model? Yeah, the Hyperdyne system's 128.2. Well, that explains it, and the A2s always were a bit twitchy. That could never happen now with our behavioral inhibitors. It is impossible for me to harm, or by a mission of action, allow to be harmed a human being. If you don't want some... Just stay away from me, Bishop. You got that straight? I guess you don't like the cornbread either. And something James Cameron says in the commentary as well. He said if you watch, if you watch Lance Henriksen and you watch, obviously his character Bishop, he he is he's, he's, he's spooky. He's he's a bit sort of he's not quite right because of the character that he's playing. But he says he plays him honestly through the hmm. whole film. You know he he's he's being honest and he's and he's he's not a bad okay. guy, but you don't know that because you've got that baggage, the same as Ripley, of the history of these artificial this people. This is it. So you don't and, trust and him. that coldness and the distance that Ian yes. Home displays so well in the first film. Henriksen, you know, does does a similar job. You know, he he he's quite yeah. he's very matter of fact. You know, he isn't emotional. You know, he's uh, he even when, like I say, you know, Ripley's completely pissed off. You know, he's he's just oh, you know, he's he's sort of very matter of fact about saying, you know, oh yeah, you know, th- you know those old models, they were, uh, you know, the, you, you, yeah. you know, they always had problems. I'm shocked. Them, you know? I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we have the scene where they ask Ripley to. Uh, give a report to the marines on the aliens uh sorry on the alien and th- they're still not taking it seriously you know t- you know you've got um uh, you know the hudson line you know you know sarge is this uh gone on, you also want to say it how, how, how do i get out of this chicken <laughs> shit outfit <laughs> no but when he says um it's a, a sarge is it going to be a stand-up fight or just another bug hunt? All we know is that there's still no contact with the colony and that a xenomorph may be involved. Excuse me, sir. A, a what? A xenomorph. It's a bug hunt. What exactly are we dealing with here? <laughs> and, and it's kind of... You're thinking, I mean, because a lot of people said, oh, the Marines, Marines won't behave like that. But what Cameron was trying to do, he was trying to do it from the Vietnam side of things after things had sort of calmed down or just the way, the, you know, the, the, the people were out there, the soldiers who had been out there for quite a long time, you know, the, everything had broken I down. I think Marines they weren't absolutely would behave like that. You know, I mean, I've yeah. I've, I've had a couple of friends who, who've, who've been in the Marines and they're the most... Um, you know, off off, off, off their head kind of people, um, you know, because 
when you're dealing with the serious stuff that they're having to deal with, their their way of coping is by you know having the banter and making it as light as possible and taking the piss out of the situation yeah. because they are you know that they're put in such such sort of life or death situations. So, so so I think the Marines absolutely would be like that. It's funny, isn't it? Um, I think yeah. I think again, you're you're getting the camaraderie of all of them together, as well as you're setting the scene to basically think you you don't understand, you don't know what you're going to come. You know, you you're all going to die if you take this yep. attitude. Uh, so, but yeah, but then you've got. Um... You've got sort of people are you know prepping the ship. You know they're almost there. They're starting to put stuff together, putting you know missiles into into the drop ship and that kind of stuff. And so Ripley is obviously feeling like a bit of a a bit of a fifth wheel. And so says uh, you know you know is there anything I can I can do? And she says you know you know well I can you know I can drive one of those. So uh, so Apone says yeah go for it. And uh, she sort of shows her her technical ability with the. Uh, with the with with the loader, which uh, loader. which yeah. I don't know could could possibly prove useful later on in the film. Uh, no, nah, I, I don't. I don't so. know if no, that's going to be revisited yeah. or it's not. A, to be honest with, what what a waste! They spent all that money getting that done, and it was that was it. That was all it was used for. <laughs> just that little bit where she picked exactly. up the box and turned around and just where'd you want it? <laughs> Big twelve, um, please. But yeah, one thing. Uh, while I was I was googling this and what i really wanted was to get a list of all of the marines names so that i would i would you know sort of be able to to sort of refer to them all and not miss anybody out and it was then that i found out about this um operation in world war Two, which was the market garden right. operation and apparently james cameron had seen a documentary about this probably while he was writing the script and yeah. the names of the uh, the people, which was a, a joint Allied German operation in World War Two, and the names of the uh, the people who took part in this operation were Hicks, Hudson, Frost, Dietrich, Drake, Gorman, Crow, Wiesbowski, and Spunkmeyer. So basically, the only per, the only three characters that he came up with original names for for this film are Vasquez, Ferro, and Apone. Everyone else, he was basically paying tribute to a genuine wow. World War Two operation, Market Garden operation, um, by borrowing nine of the names from it. Which is why you've got such crazy stuff like Wiesbowski and Spunkmeyer that you probably wouldn't come up with on your own. <laughs> <laughs> really. and so it's funny yeah. how it's real of, life changed my yes. name real life yes. is obviously more unusual than anything you could create yourself yeah so and i, I literally oh, found that absolutely. out online by just googling names of you know the sort of the words names of marines from aliens and uh and yeah so uh so yeah it's uh and and also another thing i hadn't realized was apart from gorman and hicks when you look, particularly when they're on the dropship and you see that they're all, uh, you, you see their uh, cameras and therefore you see their names, um, yes. yeah. all of the characters have the same initial 
as the first name of the actor playing them. So therefore, oh. Bill Paxton plays Hudson. So his name is obviously yeah. William. So uh, William Paxton. So on the on the on the readout, he says he's W Hudson. And oh. and so you've got Drake. Drake, played by Mark Ralston, is M Drake. And so, uh, and so there's a fair chance. And uh, Vasquez, played by Jeanette Goldstein, is Jay Vasquez. And so, Vasquez rather than come up with names for them, they've just said, "Oh, given the initials of of, of the actors' names." Well, and I can say name, the yeah. only ones that they didn't do that for in the whole Marines is Gorman and Hicks, because obviously we know that Hicks' name is Dwayne, and yeah, he's played by Michael Bean. So again, another interesting thing I found out just by. Just oh the the joys what, of Google. What is the one for Hicks, by the way? What do you mean? What what is the D. initial? It's Dwayne it's, Hicks, isn't it? Oh, it's Dwayne. Yeah, so he doesn't even go with. Yeah, so he doesn't even go with the original actor no, who was meant no. to play Hicks, who did actually play Hicks, who is James yeah. Ramar, more famously from the Warriors and Forty Eight Hours, who basically was fired two weeks into filming due to having a uh, possession of drugs and not sharing um, them which is sh- not <laughs> which is a shame because he, he said um yeah originally he just said oh I've, i had pressing engagement elsewhere and just had to leave the production and, and sort out some bits and pieces back home but obviously it came to light that unfortunately that's what he, he was going through quite a, a nasty part of his life where drugs have obviously caught hold and and um, well, really ruined mm. his career because he's, he's he's still going strong now, but he's not in any big. He's in more TV stuff, and he tro- crops up as certain characters, but never that mm. big. And um, uh, yeah, no, I just wondered if it was a J, if it was a J rather than. But of course, yeah, Dwayne obviously is, is going to be a D I, anyway. But, I think there's a lesson for all of us there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> just say no. Just say no. Oh dear, Roland, Roland, I love you, Roland. Oh god. <laughs> so yes, we come to essentially something that's. If I had a garage big enough, I'd have the tumbler from the Dark Knight one side, and the APC. The other side. I love this. I love this. Um, this vehicle is unbelievable. The fact that is, it was originally something that pulled airplanes along and weighed seventy-five tons. For them to strip it down to only thirty tons and have no room in it whatsoever for anything. <laughs> so basically, when you see, uh, it's it's a bit like the, the TARDIS as well. When when you see scenes inside it, it looks huge. They're too yes. big, but yeah, it's too big for to actually even yeah. fit in it. So basically, you're you're looking at something fake even then. But you just take it for granted. There's a, a scene later on where, obviously, when they start going in, that it stops and you see them come out, but they don't. They were running behind it. And then made it look like they was actually coming Emerging out of the actual vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. Everything gets loaded up. We see Bishop, don't we? Back the APC on on onto the dropship, and then then we're on the uh, express elevator to hell. Five. We're on express elevator to hell, going down. Two, one, mark. <laughs> 
Hill. Um, as, as, you, as they drop down, which of course is where Pharaoh gives a classic line in the pipe five by five as they're uh, five, five by five. But you have that lovely um, that that scene with um, with Hudson. We've got you know we, we got everything here. We got you know nuclear things. You know sharp sticks. Yeah, you know, the, the lot. And I think that was actually it was scene. it was so he'd learnt he'd learn all that yeah. <laughs> for it just to be yeah. cut. But there's a bit where and this is another thing that James Cameron said. He said I, I will never I'll never forget the the uh, we're on express elevator to hell going down because the whole set was shook and all the ceiling ah. came in and fell on James Cameron's head and cut it open and. Where he was sitting at the time was where Sigourney Weaver was meant wow. to be sitting. So that could have been yeah, really, really costly, really yes. bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. In, yeah. in, 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 in many <laughs> so that, ways, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> so he said that, that's how he so as, that scene. As, as they're going down, this is where uh, they're talking to Gorman about how many drops he's had, and he has um, 38. And then there's that great pause, and then he says, simulated... And they go, how, how many com- <laughs> how many combat drops? There's two, including this one. <laughs> so they've basically been led by a, a lieutenant who's uh, who's got no experience, which of course they're all like, oh my god, yeah. And and that's and then that, when that, we get that really should let you know. Yeah, so, so so that's when we really get should. sort of Hudson's uh, sort of the, the the additional scene, you know, Hudson going on about, you know, how badass they all are and all the weapons they've got, sort of boasting about how incredibly easy this is going to be. And, uh, and of course, Hicks falls asleep as well, doesn't he? You know, Hicks, Hicks is yes. famous for falling asleep during these, uh, during these sort of planet drops when they go down. And again, this is the first time we see uh, the the cameras they've all got and the life signs as well. So therefore, every every, every yeah. marine has two screens: one showing his life signs, the so heartbeat, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the other one showing the camera. And of course, um, you know, you know, you know, Drake gets told there's some interference with his, so he just whacks it against the wall. That's better. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. He's facing that. He's his brilliant. Yeah, like, it's a real, uh, that rough yeah. and ready. <laughs> All right, let's see what we can see. Everybody online, looking good. Drake, check your camera. There seems to be a malfunction. That's better. Pan it around a bit. Good. I'm ready, man. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. Yes. State of the badass art. You do not want to fuck with me. Check it out. Hey, Ripley, don't worry. Me and my squad of ultimate badasses will protect you. (laughs) Check it out. Independently targeting particle beam failings. For a half a city with this puppy. We got tactical smart missiles, base plasma pulse rifles, RPGs. We got sonic electronic ball breakers. We got nukes, we got knives, sharp sticks. Knock it off, Hudson. All right, gear up. Two minutes, people. Get hot. Somebody wake up, Hicks. And I think also as well, you've got that ability now because you've in, you've been introduced to 
the those that information, the fact that you've got the cameras, so you can use that in Absolutely. these scenes that are coming this up. This is it, as well as just having flat yes. lines for when people yeah. have gone. This is it. I mean, that tells um, you so much. So you can see what those people are seeing when there's attack or when they're just walking around the nest and seeing stuff and not knowing what it is. But the moment somebody dies, you know they're dead. So, and you've you've also got one of the most iconic bits of tech, which is the motion track. Yes. That, but then as soon as it hits, it it actually gets some sort of motion on it. You know, you instantly you're, uh, you know, you you you're sort of thinking, what's what what is it? What, yeah. What's coming? And I think to use that in the film as well as you're going along to to create even more tension when, you know, you're, and from a budget reason as well, you're you're using that rather than showing something, you're building that tension up as to whether or not there's something coming yeah. or not. Is that another extra scene that we see? I don't, I don't think. I don't know if it is where the Marines are going in. I don't think it is. Because that, that set is unbelievable. Because obviously where they, where it flies in. And also at the moment, uh, before you get to that bit, you've obviously got the drop ship that opens up like a Transformer yeah. with all the weapons and everything and then just comes in, lands, drops the off APC the APC goes and, and boom, off straight again. off again. Yes, yeah. which again is so beautifully done. Um, but also j- just the fact that when they're dropped off and, and they move towards the entrance of Hadley's Hope and, and it's raining, it's just absolutely chucking yes. down with rain, which again just sort of adds to the whole atmosphere of it. Um, yeah, so so the Marines, are sort of, they, they, they're they moved in in waves, aren't they? And uh, and they sort of yes. almost hot, hot wire their way in. The um, The scene with the... The hamsters, that's an extra scene, isn't it? I thought the extra scene was when they go in, um, Ripley kind of pauses before she goes in and sort of Hicks has to say to her, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like she knows how bad things are going to be in there and there's kind of a brief pause and I think that's the additional scene. I thought the hamster was in the original one when they pick up because of course they go in internally Hadley's hope has been damaged there's obviously been some kind of a you know a, a battle a fight um, and then they're going around with a motion sensor you know the place seems to be abandoned and then they get movement and you're like again you're oh god on edge and it turns out just to be hamsters in a hamster cage running around <laughs> um, but now I, I, I had a feeling that that was um, that that was in in, in the original, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure the hamsters were there. And I, it's weird the way, even in both in both um, Norman and special editions, my eye, where Hicks is looking through a room, is always drawn to a very soggy, half bitten <laughs> donut. <laughs> I don't know why. I always look at that and go, because <laughs> you're always hungry. You're like, like mm, donuts. <laughs> Mmm, That's got to be. That's got to be the captain. That's yeah, got to be the captain. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So and then of course they spot the acid holes, <laughs> don't they? And um, yes. And and yeah. and there's a great moment where uh, where uh, is it Hudson sort of spits down it and sort of tries to get it to go all the way down. Um, but yes. Did you know that? Did you know that that set 
was just built on one level. Oh, and so and they just replicated scene, it using the level to do different ones. No, no, it was a miniature. Oh, really? So that it, when you when you look down, that's a miniature that was built, and they had to do miniature spit. So they couldn't just they said normal spit didn't look right. So it's a little bit of milk and water on it in a pipette that's just dripped right close Good to the grief. camera. Yeah. Um, yeah and then Gorman sort of considers it secured and (laughs) oh he's coming in and he's he's, uh, wanting to go in and this is when Ripley comes in so this is the scene where Ripley pauses um, and because she's wary and Hicks checks she's okay and she looks absolutely terrified the look on her face yep. is like, you know, I, 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 I've got a good idea what's about to happen here. And I'm with a bunch of guys or guys and girls who aren't taking this seriously. They don't know what, what these things can do. Or I do. And this is kind of, you know, the, you know, her stepping back, you know, into the shit show. Into the yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you would, I mean, that APC, I'd, I'd just stay in that APC. I go, well, you go out and you just take a camera. Mate, I'll <laughs> deal I'd, with it while I'd, I'm in there. I'd have stayed on the Solarco. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be up in space in the ship. Ha- have fun, you guys. <laughs> Enjoy. I'll tell you one thing we, we have overlooked is the fantastic weapons that they have. I mean, for starters, they've, they've, they've got the, the pulse yeah. rifle, which is iconic in itself. But then you've got the smart yes. guns, which is even more iconic because it's on a... Um, I don't know if you would you call it a gimbal. Yeah. I don't know, but but that's from a yes. Steadicam. So we and and they just said, well, because um, again, James Cameron had the idea. I'm saying, why don't we put a gun on it? And they're going, no, nah, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Of course, when you look at it, it's it's unbelievable. But then so it, good. It, it doesn't look particularly easy to use. You know, you've you've got that scene earlier where. Vasquez and Drake are both using it, and they're kind of synchronized, aren't they? As, as they're sort of sort of yeah. putting it up and sort of sort of moving around, but it doesn't look that easy to use. You know, you, you know, it's kind of it, you know the whole thing sort of sits almost too far away from the body because it's on this sort of steady cam thing, and it sort of doesn't look like it would be intuitive. You would think for a gun, you want something that's close to you, like the pulse, pulse rifle that you hold like a traditional gun. You know, where you tuck it under the arm and bang, bang, bang. Rather than the thing that kind of floats about a foot away from your body and doesn't really look that uh, that, that that easy to manage. So, so yeah, you know the, the the technology they've created is incredible. I mean, yeah, because before they actually land, they're obviously you, you see the two of them practicing mm. their moves yeah, absolutely with it. And I suppose there is a certain way you do have to use it, and obviously a certain environment that would allow you to be able to use something that long. Yeah. I mean, look at the the sort of the minigun that's in Terminator Two, and the obviously the one that's in Predator. That's completely. You just wouldn't have anything like that, you know, especially handheld. Mm, absolutely, because uh, normally that's the sort of thing that's on a helicopter or something. So, yeah, sorry, I'm just being distracted by a soggy donut. I can see it again. <laughs> it's on here. You then go into that room where you've got all of these face huggers, face huggers yeah. that you assume are, are all dead. Dead. Apart from the one that makes friends, with Burke. With Burke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's two two that are alive, aren't there? There's two that are moving, yep. and um, which of course Bishop loves because it gives him something yes. to uh, 
to 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 play with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, so they're sort of in there, and it's then that you realise, oh God, yeah, you know, they they have found these things. They started to investigate, and clearly, yeah, you know, things have gone, things have gone pear shaped. Careful, Burke. <laughs> Looks like love at first sight to me. Oh, he likes you, Burke. <laughs> Two are alive, the rest are dead. Surgically removed before embryo implantation. Subject Marachek, John Jay, died during the procedure. They killed him taking it off. Yo, Hicks. I think we got some here. And then we get the they start to sense motion. You know, the motion sensors go off and mm. something's moving out there. And having just found the face huggers, you're obviously thinking, oh, God, I know what this is going to be. Um, but, of course, you don't. Before you, before you get to Newt, there's that little scene that I think is a nod, which you, you picked up on, on Alien, mm. where Dallas knocks something over. It's a cheap, oh, yes. cheap jump. And you get that in here. Where Gorman, they're all yes, walking yes, towards yes. it, and Gorman knocks it over, and they all look, stop, and look at him, and then yeah. carry on. And I'm thinking that's got that's a, definitely a nod, yes, yeah, nod yeah, to that. Very bit. much so, very much so. Um, yeah, so yes, we then, you know, they're sort of moving, everything's very tense, sort of moving slightly, and then suddenly something shoots across the walkway in front of them, and uh, and so we're introduced to. Newt for the second time, Newt. Oh. but this is now after feral, feral Newt, feral Newt. <laughs> this is that little kid from Mad Max Two yes. with music box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> after Drake tries to shoot yes, her, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, so they she's uh, she's sort of uh, hiding down the side of the walkway. And then tries to get away, and uh, Ripley sort of follows her back to her nest. Does she sort of crawls through the, uh, crawls through the? Uh, I guess it's the ventilation system. And um, and yeah, uh, you know, we 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 find out about uh, about Rebecca. That's true. That's right. Yeah, and um, and her parents, they're dead. All right, can, <laughs> can I, I go, go now? now? <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Yeah, while 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 Bishop is uh, playing with a face hugger, well, there's a there's a thing with that that he himself uh, chose to wear um, contact lenses that gave him double pupils. Oh, okay. Um, and when he turns around to camera, when he says, "What, what, what have you got there, Bishop?" and he turns, it, "Magnificent." As he turns around, he would actually have two right. pupils in each eye. But James Cameron said. That's a little bit too weird. You are already playing this <laughs> to the yes. hilt, and you've just gone over it by too much. <laughs> so they ended up cutting that out, and he obviously he's just got his normal eyes. But um, yeah, there's a just a little side bit that he had. He did have double pupils for that. Yeah. So um, yeah. So they have Dietrich check out Newt, and she says, apart from being malnourished, she uh, she appears to be okay. And uh, then they find out, obviously. Ripley is referring to her as Rebecca, and uh, she says, "Newt, no, no one calls me Rebecca." <laughs> calls me Rebecca. <laughs> it's said, my mother. 
<laughs> and uh, and yeah, so um, and then you know she uh, she sort of has to clean her off because uh, in spilling her hot chocolate, she uh, creates a creates a clean bit. And uh, yeah. therefore has to try and clean her face, although none of the muck actually seems to come off. And it's at this point that Hudson uh, traces the the colonists or, or colonialists or whatever you call them bands. They're sort of um, ID bands, and they're all together. And and says, "Yo, stop your grinning and drop your linen." Found them. Another great line. What you just said there, when you said about she was wiping her face and not getting off, it's because Sigourney Weaver felt sorry for for Carrie, the, the fact that she was all made up, all dirty. She was the only one who was all dirty, and actually wanted to clean wanted to clean right. it off. But the makeup department was saying, "Just stop it! Stop <laughs> doing that! <laughs> stop rubbing it all off!" Uh, so that's why, like you said, she's sort of yeah, going all over and not so. really well, getting any of well, it off. The fact off. is, obviously, it, it, it's dirt, and she seems to think that just wiping it with a towel will, will get off. <laughs> not even wetting the towel, just rubbing dirt with a towel no. is supposed to get it off. But, uh, yeah. but your mum does. Yeah, yeah indeed, but this is it. She doesn't lick it, she's just wiping it with a dry towel. Um, yeah, so they find out that they're uh, that the colonists are all together, um, and yep. so they decide to uh, to go down and find them. Uh, and obviously, they start going down. And yet, the funny thing is that they obviously go into what we now know is an alien nest. But when we first saw it, because we hadn't seen Alien the director's cut and seen the alien nest we don't know that this is an alien nest we this is the first time we'd seen it and so as far as we as a first time viewer is concerned this is what this place looks like you know you don't really know what it is they're walking into looks like some sort of secreted resin yeah but secreted from what nobody touched nothing busy little creatures huh What's that? Secreted, Some kind of secreting resin, but it's, but it's yeah. hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, um, Ripley realizes because they're obviously seeing this back on the scanner, realizes that they're directly beneath the primary heat exchanger. Yes, and because they're there with pulse rifles, uh, which fire explosives, they could pierce the cooling system. And uh, of course, Gorman is like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's like, and and um, Burke has to explain to him that that basically the whole place is like a nuclear reactor, and if they uh, if they destroy the cooling system, the whole thing is going to blow up. Adios, muchachos. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, Gorman has to tell Apone to collect all the pulse rifle ammo, um, which he does, and everybody's like, well, you know, what. What's the line? What are we supposed to fight them with? Bad language. Bad language. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just great line after great line, isn't it? But of course, Vasquez and Drake have spares, so she's carrying spares. So when they yeah. hand them over, she hands him and they they load theirs back up again. Which, to um, be honest with you, if they didn't have them, they probably would have all have been killed. All died, absolutely. Yes. This is it. At least they had some weapons. Um, and then they find the colonists. Uh, oh I can't say colonists, can I? Billy, 
Billy Connolly. Yeah, yes. Billy, <laughs> Billy Connollyist. <laughs> One was that dawned on me that alcohol doesn't make you clever. One night I was drinking with a friend of mine, Peter McDougall, a writer, and I left his house blitzed. Right. And I went to phone home to my wife, mm -hmm. and I get into one of those British telephone boxes. Yeah. You know those red ones sure. with the windows? Yeah. And I made my phone. <laughs> then I realised I couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you couldn't you didn't you couldn't I, figure I, out. I couldn't figure it out. You know yeah. there was nothing wrong with the box. The door was working fine, but. Right. I could. <laughs> I mean, the telephone's on one of the walls. That cuts it down to three. Yeah. <laughs> So they find the colonists, um, and of course they're all attached to the walls of the alien nest. Um, and then, of course, is it Dietrich who finds yes. one and lifts the head up, and then the eyes pop open, and they realise that that this woman is still alive, and is saying, um, uh, "Kill me!" You know, and they're all freaking out about the fact that one's alive. Um, and of course, you also see empty eggs all over the place, don't you? Open yes. eggs. Uh, yep. So you're thinking, ah, oh, this isn't going to go well. And she starts freaking out, this colonist, and then bang, out comes the chest burster, and uh, the whole the whole thing gets flamed very quickly. There's but, a slight uh, change to the design as well, because if you notice, when uh, towards the end of the flame scene, it has little arms, which it doesn't actually have in the first film original yes yeah so but they thought you know the way things change the way it's gestation period you know whatever it's uh whatever the the, the face hugger has attached itself to would change it slightly yes so yeah because I, I i think that's almost yeah you know the the alien takes on the identity of whatever it's bursting out of yes so yep. therefore, yeah, I, I I think it's just adapting, you know, much like in Aliens Three, when you know the alien that comes out, the dog, runs on four legs and is is yep. sort of very much dog-like. So maybe, okay, sort of the first iteration that came out of Kane, um, didn't have it, but then you know now it's used to coming out of uh, humans, and therefore it's taking on a more human form and you say, yeah. being being born with arms quicker. Um, yeah, it's, it's adapting a lot. A lot yes, a lot absolutely. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so this this chestburster being flamed and uh, sort of the nest being damaged um, pisses off the aliens and they start yes. to uh, literally come out of the uh, well, not quite woodwork but uh, but yeah, come out of the nest which causes everybody's um, all the motion detectors start going off and uh, and yeah, literally coming out of the walls Fire! <laughs> Um, and that's when one of the aliens comes down behind Dietrich who sets off a flamethrower which hits Frost sends him over the side and falling down and then the ammo explodes and all I've got written down is then all hell breaks loose <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> Pretty much it. Says it all. Come on! Jesus Christ, Pong, what is going on? He's asking Crow down! Dietrich! Crow! Dietrich Frost, off the board! Sound off! Frost! 
Do we see? Because uh, obviously, like you say, frost goes. The ammo explodes. I think the ammo kills Crow. Yes. Um, then the next one to go is is Wasbaski. Wasbaski. Yeah. Um, and then then then, then Apone. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got that awesome line: "Marines, we are leaving." <laughs> As they get back into the well. So well, that, you're, you're well, of course, this Gorman, from... Gorman yes. freaks out. Gorman yes. starts to lose he's, it. Lose he, it yeah. He's just saying, a pawn, a pawn. And, and he's like trying to, trying to talk to them and give instructions. They but are being attacked from all textbook. sides. He's, like, yes. he's reading from a textbook, yes, isn't precisely. he? Yes, precisely. Yeah. He can't adapt because he doesn't have the experience. Yeah. And so he's saying, lay down a suppressing fire and oh, yeah. move out yeah. and da-da-da-da. Yeah. And literally, they're just trying to stay alive because they've got aliens coming from all... And, the great thing is you're seeing close-ups of some of the stuff there so you're seeing aliens being shot and exploding then you're seeing the view that the guys on the apc account so you're seeing things for the cameras yeah i mean one one um person sort of gets dragged away don't you You sort of see them going oh and get pulled away and and you know and then things start flatlining and so it's just chaos, but the way they communicate that chaos is so cleverly done. You're going, oh my God, what's happening? You know, we as the viewer are, are as in the dark as those people back in the APC. You're just kind of reacting to, holy shit, all this, all this stuff going down. And so, um, and so Ripley grabs the headset and just says, you know, you know, get out of there, get out of there, and and then jumps to the to the controls of the APC and says, right, I'm, I'm going to have go. to go in and get them. And just and, and slightly, it, sorry, yeah. no, just slightly before that, you get that awesome line of let's rock. Yes. And she, and, and, um, and you've got, you've got that lovely scene where Vasquez just goes from left to right and sprays the whole room. Yes. With the smart gun and brings Absolutely. that into, into play. Um, yeah, yeah. You've got that one. I, I just love the fact that she just, she takes charge gets into the driver's seat and then it's only then that Gorman goes what the hell are you doing what are you like, doing what? yeah oh now you're but, back. But, but of course the great thing is that that she's the one who's been having nightmares about these things and having her life completely ruined by them and he's told okay you're gonna go up with these marines the baddest of the badasses and you'll be safe because you're going as an advisor and yet, without her, none of them would have made it out. The fact is, she kicks in. It's her reflexes. It's her saying, right, for God's sake, Gorman, you've got to do something. And then literally drives the APC into the nest in order to get these guys out. It's it's so brilliant. And it's... it's that This is down to James Cameron yes. knowing how to write... A decent part for a, a woman strong female character. Go, yes, absolutely. Because it's she's not trying to be a bloke. She's not. She's literally taking charge, and she's doing yep. it. And he's in so many of his films, in the Terminator's the Abyss, he's able to to do this yep. with, with for a female character, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, she she's doing it not because she wants to, but because she has to, because no one else is yes. doing it, and therefore either she steps up and saves the day. Or everybody's dead, and therefore she's dead as well, because, because she's still down there, suddenly with no marines. 
and, <laughs> and, and, and and so it's a case of you know you know we have to do something and so yeah so she drives the apc into the nest literally smashes into it <laughs> And the wheel spins and yes, everything. Yeah, like, yeah. And then on, sort of Hudson and Hicks are the first ones to come out, aren't they? Because because they get going to the APC, and then Hicks shouts, "Drake, we are leaving!" Doesn't leaving. they? And then of course, so, <laughs> so you got Vasquez and Drake are kind of bringing up the rear and finding because they've got the big sort of smart rifles. Um, but of course, um, Drake is killed when uh, they they have to shoot one one sort of come comes at the side and they have to shoot it and he gets sprayed in sprayed with the acid blood yeah because he, he ends up running his smart gun ends up running yes. out of whatever it uses so he ends up going to a flame flamethrower vasquez shoots fairly close it sprays onto drake drake then moves and but then ends up catching the, the apc the flamethrower and it's literally it's everybody's shouting and trying to do stuff and Vasquez is trying to get back out to try and get yeah. in and you've got Hicks going he's dead he's gone he's, dead. he's, he's gone. gone yeah and then you've got that scene where he's trying to pull the door shut yeah and, and then another alien comes two hands with the two, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then with of the course, mouth and his head his head is down he's just saying yeah. no don't yeah. do it yeah and it's because cause, cause isn't it Hudson who, <clears throat> who puts the shotgun up and shoots or is it Hicks because uh, obviously no, Hicks. Hicks. obviously Hicks, Hicks gets covered in the in the, the yeah, word, we're not covered, acid. but gets a slight spraying with acid from that. Get out of the goddamn door! Eat this! And, um, and yeah, so Ripley then sort of backs up and drives away. There's an, an alien that tries to sort of come through the windscreen, isn't there? And, uh, and then yep. so, but you know, she manages to break and then run that over and then just basically keeps driving until she comes flying out of the uh of the sort of um uh of the colony and uh and, and then the transaction was broken and uh she's literally sort of <laughs> driven into pieces <laughs> i think there's a bit i think it's when uh, there's some scene i can't remember which one where she i think when she either comes out but the the apc comes towards the camera and it wasn't a model shot it was the real thing and they said thank god that it was a remote camera because the brakes didn't right. work and it <laughs> just went straight out. over it yes it could have been a lot yes, worse absolutely. Could have been absolutely. A lot worse. and yeah so once they've stopped um, Hudson sees that Apone and Deertrick are still alive right, and of yep. course so this is this is where we realise you know that rather than being killed they don't want to kill the enemy. They want to use the enemy, get a face hugger on them, and have them have them growing more uh, more aliens. But like you said at the time, we didn't we didn't, no. didn't know this because the alien director's cut hadn't come out. We hadn't seen Dallas 
you know, being up, being put up. To, but to but we'd obviously way. seen the colonists, so therefore oh, we yeah. obviously knew yeah. that that's what they were going to use them for. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, uh, when uh, uh, Ripley was trying to get out, something falls on Gorman, doesn't it? Yes. Knocks him out. So yes. he's out. He's, he's out, out cold. cold. Um, yeah, and so once they sort of get the APC to a halt, um, Ripley says she thinks that they should nuke the site uh, from space. Um, Burke obviously disagrees. You know, he's just seeing sort of like the dollar signs and and, and what they're going to lose. But um, Hicks agrees, and they uh, call in call in Ferro after after Burke calls him a grunt. Yes, he's just a grunt. No offence. Yeah. <laughs> None taken. Um, <laughs> exactly, but uh, but yes. Yeah, so um, so they call in Ferro in the drop ship, and of course we then see the scene where she calls Spunkmeyer back into the ship, and he gets the uh, the alien goo on his hands on the handrail. Yeah. So we realise that, that what's this stretchy yeah, that, stuff? <laughs> that they're not alone in there, and um, and so yeah, uh, you know she's sort of calling Spunkmeyer up, and then the door opens. And she says, uh, oh, about time, and turns around. Of course, it's not Spunkmire, it's an alien who then uh, takes her out despite her efforts to uh, grab a gun and the guys see the um, the dropship coming towards them and then it starts to rock violently from side to side and they realise, oh dear. And it's uh, <laughs> sort of get, get out of the way of the wreckage as it ploughs towards them. That, that, I always remember thinking, you know, because <clears> I didn't know about rear projection and all that sort of stuff then, and it was... That is such an awesome scene to see that rolling. They so many takes. They said that because James Cameron had a very specific way he wanted that to crash, and he wanted it to roll and how to break up and stuff. And they did it so many times. But to have that coming towards you, thinking, "Oh shit, where am I going to go?" Yeah, absolutely, sort of thing. absolutely. And then you know, dealing with the aftermath of that, we have probably. Almost back to back, two of the most famous lines from this movie. Um, yeah. The first one is Hicks saying, Hicks. "Sorry, <laughs> I sorry, I'll start again." I always get those. Two. But, 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 but again, to be fair, Gorman got them mixed up, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um. What's the question, Private? <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. So, uh, so yeah, hang on. Uh, the first one is Hudson saying... That's not my locker. No, sorry. Well, Christ, <laughs> no, he says, ready player one. No, he doesn't. He says, game, game over, game over, game man. Over, game over, man, game over. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? After he sp- Beat everybody. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But then, with that all going on in the background, you've got Newt with Ripley in the foreground, and Newt turns to her and says, We better get back because it'll be dark soon. <laughs> and they mostly come at night. Mostly. <laughs> we better get back because it'll be dark soon. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. 
she said in the commentary that she hates hates it when everybody <laughs> says that to her because it's something her mates and everything they do all the time. Yeah, I bet. You know that oh, we're gonna we're gonna go out and get pizza. You know because it's it's mostly pizza. <laughs> mostly. mostly, you know they do it. Mostly. I mean, the, the trouble is, I I can't say that quote without going into uh, Cartman from South Park. So I go, mostly Kevin Knight, mostly. And now back to the movie of the week, Aliens. They mostly come at night, mostly. They mostly come at night, mostly. I think it's one of my favourite <laughs> South Park lines. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so yeah, they're right up Shit Creek. They're stuck on a planet with a load of aliens and uh, no way of getting off it. They're going to build a bonfire and sing, yes, sing, a, sing few a few songs. songs. <laughs> yeah. So we have got to a fantastic point where well we haven't even used all of the great lines yet but um we're gonna uh call it a night with this one we'll look forward to uh seeing you in part two of the alien special How exciting Ooh. i wonder what'll happen <laughs> <laughs> speed.